Previously on Modular. In episode one of Dragon Vice Spire Peak, we met our hero, Bradley Copper, and he in turn met his sidekick, Quinn Hightopple. They talked to some people at the local inn, at the local provision store, and they set off on a quest to Nomengard to find magical items. There they met with a paranoid king scared of a mimic, and sure enough, they found that mimic. But what will happen next? Job. My name is Thorin George. And this is Modular. The podcast where we take you through the modules written by Wizards of the Coast for the 5th edition of Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. These are the pre-written stories made by the guys who made up D&D. We didn't write them, but we're here to run them for you. Why do we do that, Luke? Well, Thorin, maybe you're a DM who's thinking about running a particular campaign and you want to get a feel for how it plays out. Maybe you're a player who has already been in this particular campaign and you want to reminisce on the good old days. Maybe you're an economics student in London, and this podcast helps you let off a little steam. We definitely feel for you, but also you should be warned. Each of our episodes will take on a part of these pre-written adventures. That means there are major spoilers for the key plot points of each story we're running. And Thorin, there is another warning we should offer them. Duh, that's right, Luke. Modular is not a podcast for children. It contains explicit language, as well as adult themes like sex, alcohol, drug use, traffic infractions, and violence. So please be aware of these not-so-kid-friendly themes. Without further ado, though, welcome to Modular. And our session two of Dragon of Icepire Peak. Bradley, you've identified which cask is the mimic. You let out a powerful strum from your lyre, releasing the magical energy, sound energy, that knocks this monster back against the wall. Quinn stands some 20 feet behind you, his eyes widened. The monster reels back on its back two legs, these wooden shards, lashing out with this tongue. It begins to move towards you. You've already rolled for initiative. The Mimic is going first. Oh, God, of course it is. And does a 19 hit you? Yeah, I think it hits me just a little bit. You... Barely, though. This thing lunges forwards. It sinks these gnashing wooden teeth into your shin. Dealing you... of cage. One point of damage. And... Six points of acid damage. (laughs) Can you you say that again, please? I'm not quite sure I heard it right. (laughs) One point of piercing damage, six points of acid damage. And so can you... I'm a bard. I'm not really a mathematician. Can you you add that up for me? How many is that? 
That is seven points of damage. You take seven badly. points of damage that I take. That leaves me with five HP. Mm. Love mm-hmm. it. Well, luckily, Quinn still has 13 HP, so he can carry oh, luckily. You through this fight. It's your turn, Bradley. As you reel backwards away from this mimic, what do you do? I will tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to hit that motherfucker with my mice. With your with your mice? With my mice. <laughs> All right, mice swinging at its face. <laughs> with Let's my see. mice. <laughs> Let's see what happens. I can't, not, <laughs> I can't decide if I'm British or Australian. <laughs> and as you attack? As I attack, I'm going to... I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull my mace out. Um, I've already, you know, done my little power cord. It just bit me and did seven damage, right? Yes. So I'm just, I'm just gonna hit that motherfucker as hard as I can. Because fuck him. Who bites people? Who does that? It doesn't hit though. I can tell you that much. What'd you roll? I, I, it's not a nat one, so I don't want to talk about it. Okay. You swing, you miss, and you hear a. I'm coming, Mr. Copper, from behind you. You feel Breeze whisk in between your thighs. Quinn slides between your <laughs> legs, and his fist flies out, his gauntleted fist. He punches this thing right in its face for six points of damage. He cracks it, the wood cracks a little bit, and the creature reels back in horror. It immediately opens up its gaping mouth and tries to bite Quinn on his fucking face. Is there anything that I can do? Can I give him bardic inspiration, like, literally right before he gets bitten so he can take, he can roll the die to get rid of that damage? Later, bards will get something called cutting words, which is what mm-hmm. you're looking for. You're oh, level fuck. one, and... Bardic Inspiration is on your turn, and it's definitely not to to take away any damage. Fortunately, this thing chomps down onto air as Quinn bobs and weaves. It's your turn again. Quinn, if I ever doubted you, I am sorry. Mr. Copper, stop talking and start killing. Okay, I'm going to try and hit with my mace again. Uh, does 18 plus 3 hit? Um, yes. Hell yeah. I believe a mace does a D8, right? It's a, it's a D6. A D6, Plus of your course. strength mod. Plus my strength mod. Which is low. Which is, I, I'm pretty sure it's a 1. Plus 1, yeah. Uh, so 7 damage. 7 damage? You got that 6 on the roll. Nice work. I, did, I just did back to the mimic what it did to me. And now, as a kind and benevolent DM, I'm going to remind you that only about 40 feet off, there are two gnomish guards... Ula and Pog, that you could yell for if you wanted some help in this fight. I lean out, like backwards, and I say, Oi! Gnomes! We need some help over here! Quickly! We're in the wine cellar! Maybe they heard it, maybe they didn't. I'm gonna roll a perception check for them. Fuck you. We'll see what happens. Quinn, as this thing bit at him and missed... He, instead of an uppercut, he does a sort of a downwards bash onto this thing's head, trying to smash his head into the ground. He hits and deals... Hell yes. Ten points of damage. This thing's skull kind of bounces. It's, it's barrel-like skull. 
bounces off the floor and it kind of reels backwards. I'm going to roll initiative for these gnomes. Okay. The mimic bites Quinn, or at least attempts to. It bites him. And Quinn takes nine points of damage. Because he is at four HP now. Okay. You see the wooden teeth? sink into his shoulder and he says uh, Mr. Copper, um, we gotta kill this thing faster. Spells that could help me out. Let me look really quick. It is your turn, so whatever you want to do it's up to you. No, I really picked the worst spells, didn't I? Cool. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm, I, I get angry from that. I'm going to take my mace and I'm just gonna kind of swing it upwards to try and get this thing's head away from Quinn. Um. Okay. Does a nine hit? <laughs> no. You are a little bit anxious about hitting your new new little pal, and you know that if you swing too close, you might just crack him right in the armpit. So you you pull that swing. Cool. You said and Ula and Pog were in here already. Uh, I didn't say they were in here. I said I was rolling initiative. Oh, for fuck. That. Okay. Well, I'm going to. I'm gonna like give Quinn a quick glance. And I'm going to say, you've got this, friend. And I'm going to give him bardic inspiration. He says, you're right, Mr. Copper. I do. But before he goes, you hear the tip-tap-tapping of gnomish feet. The male and female guards that you spoke to moments ago run in behind you. Um, One of them shouts out, oh my god, kill that thing! And they both, even though they're not within melee range, they throw these tiny little gnomish spears. (laughs) And they both hit. Nice. Dealing 11 points of damage to this Mimic. And let me tell you, Mimic looks hurt. Quinn gets his left hand into the the open gap between this mimic's teeth, he yanks down to get it off of his shoulder, and with its mouth open, he punches into its throat and says, Uvula punch! (laughs) And he rolls a nat one. (laughs) He scrapes his forearm on the teeth of the mimic and takes one point of damage. Jesus. But, no, I was about to say he gave him bardic inspiration, but that that ain't gonna help with the nat one. The mimic uh, reels back. It doesn't want this this little halfling's fist in his mouth. It skitters around. Um, go ahead and make me an attack of opportunity. Oh, yeah. This thing's going for Ula. Uh, 18 plus 3. 18 plus 3 hits. Nice. That's going to be 5 damage. Alright, it's looking worse for wear. It comes for Ula. And it misses her. She kind of nice. swats at it with the spear. It reels backwards. How does... Does she have, like, a second spear? Yeah, yeah. She had another one on her back. Oh, okay. Your turn. This My thing's turn. ten feet behind you. Ten feet behind me. Well, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to... Uh, since it's so far, I don't really want to move because I want to stay close to Quinn. Um, I'm going to take up my dagger, and I'm going to throw it Okay. at the... Um, at the mimic. At the mimic. Perfect. Hold on, let me re-roll that. It did not land in the box. It landed on the floor. That is an 8. Does an 8 hit? 8 does not hit. 
I guess an 8 wouldn't hit if a 9 didn't hit. It bounces off of the, the hide of this mimic. Ula tries to stab the mimic, and she misses wide. She slams the spear into the ground. Pog, we'll say 10 feet off to her right, throws his last spear, and he hits, dealing 3 points of damage. The mimic is on its last leg, but it is still standing, and it looks like it could eat Ula pretty easily. Quinn says, bloodied. He says, Mr. Copper, I'm bleeding bad over here, but I want to kill that fucking mimic. And he runs towards it, and he superman poses, both fists, dives, and tries to punch this thing. You. I rolled a two. Plus five is seven. What's the bardic inspiration? D6? It's a D6. Alright. The mimic has a 12 AC. He needs a five or a six to hit this thing. That one fell on the floor. That's a one. He belly flops onto the cold, hard brewery ground and says, Mr. Copper, I tried. It's the mimic's turn. It look you you feel it look at you, Bradley. It kind of laughs. <laughs> and it goes straight for Ula's throat. And it misses. She jumps backwards just in time. What do you do? I... It laughed at me, you said? It laughed at you. It's a sentient being. It's not some, like, thoughtless monster. All of the the, the, the posh act that I have been putting on this entire time just fades away. Right. And I go back to my childhood days for when I was in a street gang. And I remember one time this rival street gang, and I say these in quotes, um, bullied my younger brother. And they beat him up, and then they laughed in my face as they were, or, or I went to pick him up, and they laughed as they were walking away. And I am going to do now what I did back then. I'm going to take my mace, and I'm going to charge at that motherfucker, and I'm just going to bash its fucking brains out. Alright, let's see it. Thirteen. Thirteen's a hit. That's seven damage. How do you kill your first enemy? Much like Sandris Peterson. <laughs> Sandris. Sandris Peterson, who is the kid that I just pummeled the fuck out of. But instead of my, my fist, I'm using a mace. I grab it, and I turn its face towards me, and I just... And just smack it like five times with the mace until its face just caves in, and there is blood splattered all over me. Quinn looks up at you and says, Holy gods, Mr. Copper. I didn't think you had it in ya. I, I, I take a couple deep breaths, and I regain my composure. And I say, I don't like bullies. He smiles at that. The two of you, Ula and Pog, are able to drag this mimic's corpse back to the door of the king's throne room, or bedroom, rather, where they've been holed up. Um, how do you announce your arrival? I just knock. Is that a mimic? 
If that's a mimic out there, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with it. If it's a mimic, no. That's what I say to the mimics. There is a mimic here, but it's dead. No. Well, uh, how'd you kill it? What I need from you, gameplay-wise, is I need a persuasion check. Because a persuasion check? In the module, it says that even if you kill the mimic, you have to convince King Corbos that you've killed it. I say, well, it was... I'm assuming after your little route with it, it decided to lay low, and it hid in your wine cellar, and took on the form of a cask of wine. And I discovered this, I used my Thunderwave spell to blow it to bits, and then I smashed its fucking brains in. Well? And then you said a persuasion check? Yeah. I got a 13. That's good enough. He says, my goodness, you are a hero. Well, listen. He opens up the door, and you finally see the face of King Corbos and King Nurkly. And Corbos has this white hair. It's kind of frizzled all over. He's got these glasses on. He's got these mittens. And he <laughs> says, uh... We're not dating this episode at all. No, absolutely not. No. People listening to this 20 years from now, they'll get every bit. You you see him look down at the mimic, pleasantly surprised, and he says, Well, uh, I never caught your name. What, what's your name again? Copper. Bradley Copper. He says, Mr. Copper, listen. You, you've done us a great service here. And Nurkley says, My goodness, I can't believe it. I can't believe Corbos was actually right, and there really was a mimic. I mean, that is just... I mean, that is... That's crazy. Is that not just crazy? The two of them very quickly exchange some, some dialogue. And they go to a little chest, they open it up, and they bring you two items. There's a hat, and the hat looks like your most stereotypical wizard's hat, like the sorting hat. That's what it looks like. And they also bring you a wand. So it looks like a wizard's hat and a wizard's wand, but the wand is fire red from one end to the other. Not leaf green? Nurkly, not leaf green, fire red. Sorry, bud. Hands you, Nurkly hands you the wand and says, here you go. This is my favorite wand. Okay, this is the wand of pyrotechnics. And what this wand does is it has seven charges where you can make illusory fireworks. They can't hurt anybody, but they sound and look just like a big explosive mortar fireworks. Um, and that's got seven charges. Corbo's hands you the hat and he says, And this, this is my favorite hat. Listen to me, Mr. Copper. This hat, you wear it? Any, any cantrip you could think of that you don't know? You can try and cast it anyway. And so mechanically, you can make an Arcana check once a day to cast a cantrip you do not know. You make an Arcana check of 10+, plus, and you can cast a cantrip that you have no memory of learning. Just really not. Holy shit. Ula and Pog both sing your praises about how you killed this thing. Um, Quinn even chimes in. I mean, he was he was a real bloodthirsty killer back there. It was, it was beautiful. I... Got a bit excited. My butt cheeks quivered. And they they explain your heroics. And Corvo says, well, this calls for a celebration. How about you stay the night at Nomengard. You rest up. You look a little bloody. I mean, look at your shin. It's terrible. You rest up. 
and we throw you a feast, a banquet. A banquet not only for you, but of course for me, the brave and powerful and smart and very good-looking and super humble also, King Corbos. The two of us, we have a, a joint feast, 60-40. I, I take the 60. Uh, I'm not a part of the 1%. And in turn, you get to eat our food, our, our delicious mushroom bread, delicious mushroom wine, and you stay the night as our, as our, as our guest. I would very much like that. In fact, I have when... a ballad prepared for the feast. Whoa. Okay. I love a ballad. I love a good song. That'll be great. The two guards take you to get cleaned up. You and and Quinn, you know, you get a short rest in to get that HP back. He's no longer bleeding profusely from the shoulder. You're no longer bleeding out of your shin bone. Um, all the bl- all the bone marrow you lost gets <laughs> s- magically squished back in from, from taking <laughs> they picked one it up hour off rest. the floor and they just shoved it back in there. Right back in. You also, as you're resting, you see Thibblestib and Dabbledop. They come up to you, and one of them says, Hey, we uh, we heard that you you got the kings out. You got them out of the throne. Well, I mean, I, I don't even know how you did it. You know, we thought we were going to have to build a sanity ray, but either way, we want you to have these. And they give you two more magic items. A pole of collapsing, which is a one-foot-long metal pole, and you do a little swish and flick with it, and it extends out to ten feet tall. And then you do another swish and flick, and it's back to one foot tall. That's super cool. Now, they, they explain to you, listen, listen, it's not as powerful as, as you might think it could be, because say you're fighting a dragon, you put it in the dragon's mouth, you try to, you know, make it expand to shoot out the dragon's skull, that will only lose you a hand. The pole, if it meets any resistance, will stop its growth at whatever length it's become. So keep that in mind. The other magic item they give you is the Clockwork Amulet. One charge a day, any roll you want to make, you can forego rolling the die. And instead of trying to roll, you automatically get a 10 on your die roll, and then add whatever bonuses you would normally add. So that's once a day, any roll you want. These These are nice. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. I did not call for you, Siri. Siri loves interrupting our episodes. Siri loves interrupting us. Stop listening to us. God. What? What was the hat called? The hat. I think it's called the Hat of Wizardry. You and Quinn walk into what is the banquet hall. And it's, for you, pretty fucking small. For Quinn, it's, it's normal. You know, I mean, he's about the size of a gnome. A blonde gnome. She's still got the dark rock gnome skin, because she lives underground. She's got pigtails, and she's got a, a sizable gnomish chest. She runs up to Quinn. Oh, my Quinny! I can't even believe you're here in my home of gnome god! Oh, my god! She gives Quinn a huge hug. This girl is named, this gnomish girl, is named Dee Dee. And Quinn hugs her, her chest really squishing into his cheeks, and he gives her uh, a quick kiss on each cheek and says, Dee Dee, I tell ya, I was so hoping I could run into ya. It turns out, actually, I'm uh, I'm staying at night. And 
she blushes. She doesn't acknowledge you at all, Bradley. She grabs Quinn's hand. Save the kingdom. Well, whatever. She doesn't give a fuck. No big deal. She runs off with Quinn, who she is obviously very enamored with. And your sidekick is gone. King Corvos walks up to you and he says, Bradley, I, I, I want to thank you again. You have done a great service for us. And without you, I, I, I fear that every single one of my people, all 20 of us, in this huge kingdom of ours, would have been eaten and would have been digested and would have died. So, it really uh, was no big deal. I want you to know two things. One, I wrote a letter and I'm having it sent first thing in the morning to your boss back in Fandolin. I'm going to tell him what a good job you did. And two, if there ever should come a time where you need the aid of the gnomes of Nomengard, all you need to do is hike your your ass back the 30 miles you already walked, come find one of us, and we will take three to five business days to get our act together and come help you with something. Was it really 30 miles from here to Fandolin? Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, actually. Wow, and we did that in a day? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. We marched from, like, sunrise to sunset. Just about, yeah. Damn. Yeah. I think even Dragon Vice Fire Peak lays out exactly how far player characters can walk in a day, and I think they say 24 miles in a day. So given the fact that you walked further this morning today yeah that um, makes sense yeah like you did like 24 and 6 wow so yeah okay i mean yeah that that logistically makes sense i didn't i just didn't even think about it you sit down to a feast the purple mushrooms that you had seen outside and some of which from the wine cellar you know they've used turn into this purple mushroom wine and it tastes about as expected it's not very good um, but it, it does the trick if you're trying to get a little buzzed. There's also this green mushroom bread. And you eat just a little bit of this bread, and it's not that tasty, but it's very filling. And you really just need to eat, like, one piece of bread for your dinner. Uh, the red mushrooms, they have created an oil out of. And they've got these oil-burning lanterns everywhere. There's no candles. There's no torches. They have lanterns. It feels like very well-lit for you, knowing that these people... I mean, you can also see in the dark, but knowing that these people can all see in the dark, it's like they've, they've especially lit up the banquet hall for you. In the morning, you wake. Uh, how much did you drink the night before? I'm going to say not much, because I got pretty full on bread, and, you know, I'm kind of trying to watch my figure, so I... I you know, loaded up on carbs with dinner, so I didn't drink that much. Okay. You wake up feeling fine, fresh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Quinn comes to meet you. His tunic is on backwards. He's got some love marks, some hickeys on his neck. And he says, oh, Mr. Copper, uh, how how did you sleep last night? Oh, I slept fine. It doesn't look like you got much sleep, though. He, uh... He kind of elbows you in the side, and he says, I tell you what, uh, it it was a good time here at Nomengard, I'll tell you that much. Uh, Dee Dee, she, she took good care of me. The two That's of good. You, the two of you leave. You embark. I, uh, I pat him on the back, um, and I say, you did good yesterday. I'm 
very glad we're working together. He kind of blinks for a second, and um, he nods, and he says, Thanks. Thanks, Mr. Copper. Um, make me an insight check on Quinn. Insight is plus two. Nineteen. Quinn is pleasantly surprised that you said that. He was not expecting you to say something like that. Interesting. The two of you leave Nomengard. You hike as long as you can during the day. As the sun is setting, Quinn, uh, and, you're, and you're making camp, Quinn starts talking to you. And he says, Remember, Mr. Copper, when we got the job posting for Nomengard? It said that we should try and find magical artifacts to which we could use... Oh, I am wearing the Hat of Wizardry, by the way. I've okay. been wearing it since they gave it to me. Hell yeah. I guess I should have said that. No, I, I assumed you'd put it on. Um, you're no fool. But that's that's the only one. Is okay. That, is that I'm just wearing the Hat of Wizardry. Well, nothing else is to be worn. It's a pole. the amulet. I guess, I guess you can wear an amulet. I kind of figured you shoved it in a pocket. Oh, I always assume you put amulets, like, around your neck. You could. Yeah, I guess you could, huh? Okay. Either way. He says, remember on the job posting it said, these magical artifacts were supposed to be used to defeat a great evil. You remember that? I do remember that. Well, Mr. Copper... We forgot to ask what the great evil was. I was a little surprised that you didn't ask. Because I, I think I know what it is. Uh, some folks claim I to have seen a dragon. I think I... Wait. Fl a dragon? Flying through the, cr the clouds, yeah. It's hard to gauge a creature's size, you know, when it's so high up. But some say it's as big as an elephant. And it's got glowing white scales. I thought the dragons in this area were wiped out a year ago. Right, well, I mean, I remember all that mess too, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I was only getting my mail about it. I, I wasn't really out in the streets about it. But, yeah, some cult tried to raise Tiamat, you know, the, the bloody goddess. Like, Yes, I remember. We, we, I mean, we heard all about it in Neverwinter. Right, right. I mean, I, well, where I was. But either way, I mean, I don't know if they were all wiped out, but people are pretty sure there's a dragon around these parts. Hang on. It snowed the other morning, though it's, what, mid-August? I mean, yes, in this world we don't use the term August, but, um, absolutely. I Lord of the Rings, so I just assumed. Um, ah, oh, yes, I forgot we're playing Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lord says, of the Rings yeah. Online! Download now! <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the middle of August, um, and it, and it snowed, uh, I mean, we woke up yesterday morning with, with snow on us. What does that mean, anything? Well, in the Bard's College, they did have a section on beasts found throughout the realm. And you took, you took an elective on beasts? Well, yes. If I'm going to be an adventurer, shouldn't I know what I'm trying to fight? Uh, no, I mean, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you did that. And should I do, should I do like a history check for this? Should you've already started talking. You, you've already started talking. I, I like where you're going with it. Just keep talking. Okay. 
And it would make sense if there is a white dragon, because white dragons control snow and ice. Oh, snow, okay. And frost. What did you think I was going to say? I don't know, I was worried you were going to say... Like, come? No, God, don't even... uh, Do you think that was come that was raining on us and not snow? That would be quite I told you I I hadn't been around snow a lot, alright? I don't know what a dragon's cummies are like. Anyway, so you think that that dragon, what, came by and snowed on us? I don't think it did it on purpose. I think it's just the nature of the dragon, is that it just makes the snow. Mm. Like, a red dragon would make it hotter, or a green dragon would make the soil more acidic and plants would wither. Or would that be a black dragon? I always get them confused. Mr. Copper, you are a smart fella. Um... I'll take your word for it. I mean, I don't know, but just in case, maybe we should keep camping at the tree line. You don't want to be out in the open if a dragon's getting hungry, you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Though I do remember reading white dragons were the least evil of the chromatics. Of course, that... (laughs) Sorry, I'm a bit of a dragon buff. (laughs) Apparently. them. (laughs) Gods, yeah, no, that's that's great. I'm glad you're in the module Dragon of Ice Spire Peak. Uh. Yes, I, I, I agree with you. I do believe if we are going to set up camp, we should set up in the tree line. And that'll, you know, not just dragons, if there's any bandits or brigands or other unsavory kind of characters or beasties, it'll definitely keep us out of sight. Bandits, brigands, and beasties? Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to hold in that laugh, I really did. The two of you make camp. In the morning, sure enough, same as before, you wake up. And there's a thin layer of frost on you. It's just like half an inch of snow. But it is, once again, the middle of August. <laughs> the two of you pack up camp, and you head back towards Fandolin. When you hit Fandolin, where would you like to go first? Um, it's If you went 24 miles that, that first day, now you haven't been in Fandolin in four days. Um... Hiking six hours didn't take you too long. It's it's probably around lunchtime. Six miles, not six hours. Yep, yeah, oopsie. You don't you don't hike. Well, maybe you did hike six hours. Maybe you're a mile an hour kind of guy. Oh yeah, maybe maybe I'm just real slow. <laughs> maybe I have to go slower because of Quinn's tiny legs. Little legs. <laughs> His little little legs. I'm gonna. I'm hungry. I want to go to the inn. I know for sure I'm hungry. Okay, the two of you head back to the inn, and when you arrive, the smiling face of Elsa, the barmaid, kind of greets you and she says, Oh yeah, Mr. Copper, how are you? Oh, I'm doing just lovely, Elsa. How are you? Oh, ah, jeez, I tell you, I'm real good. Um, you know... I kind of, I kind of take her by the hand and I give it a little, a little, little smooch and I say, It is a lovely visage by the gods that you have provided on me this morning. And I appreciate it. Roll me a persuasion check. Persuasion? I got a plus four to that. Uh, 18. She giggles. <laughs> kind of hiccups. Um, when she hiccups, you smell mead on her breath. Um, and she says, Oi, I, I didn't know most of them words, but that was a lovely, <laughs> that was a lovely way to say something. Um, she says, <laughs> "Keep going." 
one, please. She says, she says, I heard a fascinating rumor yesterday. Maybe you wanted to hear it too. Absolutely. I would love to hear a rumor. <laughs> Did you know that west of Fendlin, on a coast, there's an old stone lighthouse. Ships are drawn to the gleaming beacon like moss to a flame. Moths, not moss. Moss is on a rock. Moths fly to flame. And those ships are doomed to crash upon its rocks. The wrecks must be filled with treasure, Mr. Copper. Isn't that fascinating? That's so fascinating, Elsa. I just... It's astounding to me how you didn't quite understand my sentence, and yet that was some of the most eloquent dialogue I've heard thus far in my quest. <laughs> she says, Now, Mr. Copper, sometimes uh, things are pre-written in the module Dragon Vice by a Peak, and I'm supposed to read them to you. That doesn't mean that I myself am quite that smart of a bar winch. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, of course. Makes perfect sense. What Toblin... So you said it's how many miles west of here? <laughs> oh, jeez, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I never said I knew the miles. Um, see, I, I stay in this inn just about all the time. An old stone lighthouse filled with, or filled with wreckage around it that is possibly filled with treasure. Quinn, uh, like... Quinn kind of nudges you. He says, Mr. Copper, we do like a bit of treasure, don't we? We do like a bit of treasure, we sure do. You also see Toblin. And he says, um, well, hello, Mr. Copper. I, uh, I just received a bit of post only a few hours back, and it, it has your name on it. Have you read it? <laughs> what? What? What kind of... Oh, sorry. <laughs> what what sorry, kind of... I, I misinterpreted that <laughs> entirely. I will definitely please hand it to me. Uh, yes, I would be a terrible innkeep if I read my patron's mail. Um, that's a felony. Uh, he passes you the letter. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say you read this over a nice lunch. You have a French dip and some ooh, some uh, France exists, and yet somehow August doesn't. Very no, weird. Oh, sorry. Did I say French dip? I meant dwarvish dip. Uh, you have a dwarvish dip and and some fried potatoes, uh, dwarven fried potatoes. In fact, the the letter is from your dwarven friend, Braff Karzak. And it reads, <clears throat> Bradley, I hope you are well in Fandolin. First, let me tell you about me. You smile at this, as Braff was always your most narcissistic friend. My leg modeling career is going great. You know how I have these sexy dwarven calves. Well, I just got a contract modeling knee-high, knee-slapper socks, each pair has a hilarious bit on them. I got these for you. You unwrap a sheet of parchment to reveal a tall pair of wool socks. On each, a woolly mammoth earnestly asks, Got wool? <laughs> anyway, That's Bradley. A good bit. Anyway, Bradley, I write you with a heavy heart. Our good friend, Atribius, has fallen on hard times. You know as well as I do that his greatest love was always reading. That's why he opened that used bookstore, Filch's Finds. Unfortunately, it seems he's caught an awful case <laughs> of glaucoma. 
Okay, if you're listening and you have glaucoma, I'm. I promise I'm so you. So sorry. I, I'm I am so not sorry. making fun of your illness. I'm not either. I'm really not. This is. This was supposed to be serious, but I knew that when I had to read glaucoma in a Scottish accent, it was going to be tough for me. Okay. He's got an awful case of glaucoma. He's gone blind, Bradley. I'm sorry to tell you this, in this way, especially. You feel a tightness in your throat, Bradley, as you could cry for your childhood friend. Atrebius is a fighter. He'll be all right, Bradley. Don't you worry. And don't let this stop you from being the hero you were born to be. My best, Braff. P.S. You'll never believe what I saw in the sky yesterday, outside the Neverwinter. A bright white dragon. That's the letter you receive. So, you have a nice, very funny pair of wool socks. You also know that, that is a really. I I want those wool socks. It like I got wool. <laughs> you also know. Uh, you know your friend Atribius, your elven friend, who always loved to read when you were growing up as kids. He's gone blind, and that his passion for reading has been struck from him from this terrible illness. Is there anything you want to do with this information? You you've eaten your lunch as as you read. Um, you kind of noticed Quinn peering over your shoulder a bit, but then he kind of pulled away, as you noticed. Um, Harmless, I, of course, I, but I, he was just reading. Hand the... I, 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 I uh, turn the letter towards him, and I say, you're welcome to read it. It's not super personal. I mean, it is a childhood friend, but it's n- no secrets of mine. He, uh, he points to the PS, and he says, that's all I was reading, Mr. Copper. I promise I don't want to get into your personal business, but them words dragon, they stuck out like a sore tongue. Um, yes, and the the crude doodle next to it, also quite quite not like uh, Braff. He's not much of an artist, but... <laughs> he says, he says, I thought that was a coffee stain. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's just his, uh, his smudgy, smudgy drawing skills. He is, he is, God, he's terrible. Uh, but, you know, we love he him. he really is, Mister Copper. Tell him not to quit his day job of leg modeling. I definitely. Oh, so you are reading more of the letter? You oh, yeah, you sneaky, got me. You got me, Mister Copper. You little sneaky boy. Oh, I'm a sneaky snake. Sorry, Mister Copper. Listen, I, I I love a, a good bit of punny socks. <laughs> they are these are these are exquisite socks. Um, anyway, have you ever heard of this this ancient language called Braille? No. It's entirely <laughs> textual. So it's 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 not really spoken. It's as if you were taking writing and making it so that you can feel it. And I remember I remember reading about this uh when I, mean, I that's was That's a power that's a powerful magic right there. It's not magic. That's the thing. Well, I would say Mr. Copper if you're if you're giving blind folks a chance to read and experience stories the way we all do. That's pretty magical, and that's the end. That's the that's the message <laughs> of the story. <laughs> oh gosh, I I say, well I I don't quite remember. I I don't know where I was going with this. I just my friend always your friend's got hope to read again. Yeah, I, I hope he like, but the braille culture is long gone. I'm not entirely certain if we could find any braille text with which to. 
possibly translate books. Well, um, I'm sure, Mr. Copper, that podcast audiences don't like a sad ending, so we'll figure out a way to get your friend to read again. Ah, yes, of course. Mr. Copper, remember on the job posting, um, Harbin said that he'd buy any of the magic items we found for 50 gold apiece. Are there any of them you want to maybe sell? Personally, I'm not too fond of this wand, nor this pole. He says you don't like a bit of pole. Not, not, not this kind. Um, I was going to give you the amulet if you wanted it. I remember oh. you saying you liked magic. magical items. I do love a bit of magic. Mr. Copyright, I'd love to take it. That That's very, very kind of you. You don't of have course. to do that. Well, I have this hat, and I point to the hat that has been uh, on my head. I slept with this hat on. I'm not taking it off anytime soon. Well, gosh, it fits you like a glove. Like a glove for your head and your and your little ears sticking out just barely. That's the, 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 the skimpy part of your wrist that the ladies like to look at. Yes, they, ladies do love a good wrist. <laughs> um, but yes, no, please, take this clockwork amulet. I, I have... I'm not going to say I have no use of it, but I believe you have more use for it. You know, out of character, gameplay-wise, that's pretty genius, Thorne, because I'm the DM, and when you're fighting an enemy, I know the enemy's AC, and I also know what Quinn adds to his rolls. <laughs> so, if I want to make it a 10-plus something to guarantee a hit, I, I absolutely will. It, um, you said it's, it's just once a day, though, right? Once a day, but still. Yeah, I mean, sometimes one's all you need. Yeah. He says, well, then let's go sell that pole and that wand. Get you a hundred gold. Absolutely. Two, yeah, the two let's do that. You head towards the town master's the, yeah, hall. Yeah, definitely the town master's hall. And last time you saw Harbin Wester, he was putting up job signs on the job board. You see that there are two new job signs on the job board. Um, you also see that from behind the job board, you can see Harbin's uh, stout little cankles uh, in these like capris he's wearing. He's It almost looks like he's hiding behind the job board, uh, but he's he's standing there, and um, he says, um, oh, 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 "Who's approaching?" Um, it's me, Bradley Copper, Townmaster. He sticks his head out and he says, "Oh." My Mr. Copper, uh, I'll be honest, I, I really thought you were dead. Uh, I haven't seen you in, uh, you know, half a week, so... Um, uh, I, I mean, I didn't really... is it not... Nomengard's like 30 miles from here. Expect me to be back in a day. I'm just saying there's a dragon on the loose. Yes, we have... I want to say come in contact. We haven't come into contact. We've felt its effects. Well, yes, of course, me too. Uh, must change trousers at least once a day. What? What'd you say? Sorry, what? Um, is it is it loud? Is it loud out here? I have these... I have these inventions, these gnomish inventions for you to buy from me. <laughs> yes. These can kill a dragon, yes? Absolutely. You, no deception check required. He immediately forks over a hundred gold to you. Uh, you give him these and he explains... Well, Mr. Copper, I've actually just been in contact with, with someone I'm going to hire as, as, as the sheriff of 
of our, our, our sweet little hamlet of Phandalin, and she'll be here soon enough, and I, I will give her these items promptly, and of course you, you are welcome to do as you please, and keep in vitrine, of course, but I have hired her, uh, first and foremost, to take care of the town, and within that she may be tasked with killing this dragon. More power to her. Abs absolutely. Uh, he says, well, why don't you go ahead and check out the new listings, and if you need me, I'll, I'll be inside. Absolutely. You can, uh... is, it just, is it just these two? Yes, and he runs off inside. <laughs> would you... Would you like me... Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm forgetting something so majorly important. Uh, Bradley, you level up. Yes! Nice. From that one fight. Lovely. Oh, not just the one fight. The traveling, all the exposition, oh, yeah, everything yeah, yeah, you've yeah, done. Yeah. I mean, you solved the mystery. So are we... Are we... Are we doing XP level, or are we doing story level? This is milestone level. Milestone? Okay. Cool. Bradley, you move towards the job postings, and, and Quinn says, Mr. Copper, um, we haven't talked about this, but how are we working out my, uh, my pay? I'll, I'll say, I'll say for that mission, you did give me a magical item, so I don't need nothing more than that, but, you know, going forwards, how are we splitting this? I assumed 50-50. Mr. Copper, that is very... Generous. Make me an insight check on Quinn. Insight. Okie dokie. My insight is, what did I say it was? It's plus two. Plus and two. Your character sheet's right in front of me. Yep, plus two. Eleven. Quinn is just so pleasantly surprised. And maybe he's had shitty employers before, but he is, he's very appreciative of that. So do you give him 50 gold? Yeah. Alright, cool. You move towards the job board, and you read these two listings. The first one reads, Dwarven Excavation Quest. Dwarf prospectors found ancient dwarven ruins in the mountains southwest of here, and have been working an archaeological dig, seeking treasures and relics. They need to be warned that a white dragon has moved into the area. Take the warning to them, then return to Townmaster Harbin Wester to collect a reward of 50 gold. How would he, yeah. how would he know... If I gave them the warning, I could uh, literally leave town for a few days and then come back and say I gave them the warning. Well, I say to that myself, would be, that would be very unethical. The second quest reads Umbridge Hill Quest. The local midwife, an acolyte of Chanteau named Adabra Gwen, lives by herself in a stone windmill on the side of a hill a few miles south of Phandalin. With dragon sightings becoming more common, it's not safe for her to be out there alone. Urge Adabra to return to Phandalin. Once she's safe, visit Townmaster Harbin Wester to claim a reward of 25 gold. You also know Adabra is the woman who Barthen, at Barthen's Provisions, told you sells healing potions. He did tell me that. He said she wasn't that far from town, though. She's not. It, it said just right south of town. Oh. You could, you could walk there. You could get there before sundown. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, take, that, uh, I'll take that post off the board. I mean, I guess I'll take them both. And I'll I'll put the dwarven one in my pocket, but this one I'll definitely I'll show it to Quinn and, I, and I'll say, "I'm gonna head a little southward." That, that's great, Mister Copper. I mean, especially if she's got absolutely. Maybe if we can convince her to yeah. come to town, I mean, you should give us some. Now, that's good thinking. I tell you that. Are you making your way there? You now have fifty gold if you want to spend it on something. 
No, I'm going to save that. Okay. The two of you ready your supplies. Uh, as you leave town, you wave off to Elsa and Toblin. Toblin says, Ah, uh, yes, Mr. Copper, don't worry. I still won't be reading your post. I appreciate it, uh, Master Toblin. The two of you... It's a quick hike south. It only takes a few hours. Do you and uh, Quinn shoot the um, shit about anything? Yeah, I ask him. I, I, I ask him about how his time with uh, I forgot her name, Dee Dee. How how his time with Dee Dee was. He looks at you and he says, "Um, oh, Mister Copper, a gentleman never kisses and tells." Oh yes, yes, of course. I surely. As a gentleman, know that. He punches you in the thigh, and he says, But I'm no gentleman. And he goes into excruciating detail about his sexual escapades. <laughs> wow. Eventually, you near Umbridge Hill. Built on the slope of Umbridge Hill is an old stone windmill surrounded by an iron fence. A large, winged monster with a spiky tail is trying to knock down the windmill's front door. A woman appears in a second-floor window, waves at you, and yells, A little help? You see the eyes of a manticore turn towards you as she calls out to you. It smiles, this wickedly inhuman smile, as it looks to you and Quinn, and it utters the words, Fresh meat. Roll for initiative. Modular is Thorin George's Bradley Copper, and Luke Job as RDM. The story you heard today, as well as 99% of the characters, were created by Wizards of the Coast and can be found in the module Dragon of Ice Spire Peak. Our music today was written and performed by Max Hedman. You can find Max's music anywhere you listen to your music, and you can find his website link in the description of this episode. You can follow us on Twitter at ModThePod. Join our private Facebook group at the Modular Podcast Fan Club. Follow us on Instagram at the Modular Podcast, and subscribe to us on YouTube at the Modular Podcast. Please tell your friends. Please tell your family. Please tell your dog. Because believe it or not, dogs are the number two podcast audience in all of America. Right behind people, of course. New episodes come out every Tuesday. And until then, thank you for listening to Modular.